I said yes. I said yes to his love. I said yes to his freedom. I said yes to his joy. I said yes to his mercy, his kindness. I said yes to eternal life. I have eternal life because of Christ, because I said yes. Because I decided to give my life over to Christ some years ago, many, many, many years ago. But I said yes. But what else did I say yes to? Oh, Lord, I said yes to being persecuted. I said yes to suffer for righteousness sake. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what are you telling me that I said yes to? I, I thought I was saying yes to that I've come to what Jesus said that I've come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. I didn't know that I was going to be persecuted. I didn't know that I was going to go through so many ups and downs because I decided to live for Christ. Yes. That's what happens when we say yes. There is a imbalance that's happening in how people teach and preach the word of God. We either teach the word of God from a place of only talking about all the goodness and the glory and the abundance of God, which is all true, which is all fact. These are the things that we have inheritance too. When the Bible, the Bible talks about being, be, we are now joint heirs with Christ. So when I said yes to Christ, I am now joint heirs with Christ. I have access to the kingdom, instant access because of Christ. But what else? Did we say yes to? Welcome back to Conquering Me Podcast. We are in episode 21. I said yes. What did I say yes to? I want to start off by this video I saw. Uh, it was on TikTok and I cannot think of the pastor's name. It was just, you know, if anyone's on TikTok, you know, you just kind of randomly get these videos of people that you've never seen before, which is what I like because it's just you just finding random folks, right? So this pastor uh, was answering a question and he was a white pastor and uh, there's a reason why I brought his race up, but um, he was answering a question by a person who asked the question, what is the difference between a white church and a black church? Now, what's interesting is the original video that, that was posted by a black man, because the question was asked by a black man to a black preacher. And the black preacher said his whole point was that it should be, now he was talking about what it should be. What it should be is your church should be a reflection of your community. So if your community is very diverse, your church should be that as well. If it's majority of any type of ethnicity, any type of race, then it should be that, right? Your church is going to be a reflection of your community. But what this pastor did, this other pastor who was a white pastor, I it was a different perspective and angle he came from, which I related to. So he said what he has noticed from his years is that a lot of white churches preach from the perspective of the promised land. 
So um, if any of us are familiar with the story of the promised land, so the children of Israel, they were held in captivity. They were enslaved for hundreds of years. And then here comes Moses bringing them out of that and out of captivity because they were God's chosen people to bring them into the promised land. Now, uh, for those of us who know the story, we know that unfortunately a 40-day wilderness journey turned into 40 years. And so not all those who left were actually ended into, ended up in the promised land. But the promised land was a place that God has promised will be flowing with milk and honey. This was, this place was anointed. It was blessed, is prosperous. All of these beautiful things are in the promised land. And so, um, so I just kind of wanted to give a background just in case for people who do not know what the promised land is, um, reference. So what he was saying is that what he has noticed, a lot of white churches preach from the promised land perspective. So this is God's abundance, God's grace, his prosperity. Um, it is the overflow of God's goodness. This is everything that you need is here. It's basically all good, 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 right? But then he said he has noticed that a lot of black churches preach from the coming out of Egypt mentality, there is still that struggle. And this is still the children of Israel. So they were coming out of Egypt. They were in struggle. They were in captivity. And so he said he noticed how there is this two separate types of messages that are being preached. Now, what is interesting for me, God has blessed uh, my husband and I to be members of churches that were majority white and uh Denomination that also blessed us to be at a church where we were at churches where, where they were majority black. Um, so our experience, we have really kind of encountered different styles of worship, different styles of preaching. And this is why I say it's a blessing because it has allowed me to look at things slightly different. Right. And I've actually been on. the um, <laughs> I've been actually praying and I want you all to pray. I'm putting myself out there. I'm praying that I have the courage and bold enough to where I will go into a church that's maybe majority um, Latino or majority um, Asian. You know, I think it's just sometimes you don't want to be the odd, the odd person out. Right. And I know a lot of times some of those churches, they have the same uh, culture because uh, a language barrier. But I say, you know, I want to have the courage to where even if there's a language barrier, I will go and sit and just enjoy service and enjoy worship. I like to go to different styles of churches and see how people preach and teach the word of God and how they worship. That's just how I am. I don't want to prescribe to a certain style of church. That's just me. I know some people, they have their thing. But for me, I want to enjoy different um, because it just shows the beauty of God and the vastness of God. So when this preacher said that I automatically resonated with that because I thought about when my mom said this years ago when the song by Israel Houghton came out, I am a friend of God. And um, this came out probably about 10, 10 to 15 years ago. And the song, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. And I remember when that song came out, some people of the traditional church had some issues with it because they always looked at their relationship with God as servants. I am a servant, but really that song is scripture because Jesus says, I no longer call you servant, but I call you a friend. That is scripture. And it's once again about the prosper and the struggle. 
Now, a lot of it we can say is based on people's truths and their reality, what people have gone through, particularly within uh, America, within the United States. You know, the, uh, the black experience is different from maybe those who come from an affluent white experience or even if you come from poverty versus someone who comes from money because I just don't want it to be about race. Our, how we view God and how we preach and teach the word of God, if we know it or not, is really stems from our day-to-day norm and what we experience. This is why it is so important for us to get out of ourselves and really ask the Holy Spirit to really change and transform us so that we can see him in his totality and not see ourselves, if that makes sense. So when he said that, I said... I agree. And the kicker is both sides are speaking truth. There is abundance and then there's grace and there's overflow and there's prosperity and there's all of these great things in God. But yet we still have things we have to overcome. We will always have things we have to overcome. I think it was in episode 19, I talked about where are the warriors. And this is, we were talking about the spiritual warfare. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but a principalities, powers, wickedness in high places. So we, there is a war going on, but yet we know that we are already victorious because of Christ. So let's go back to my original statement in the beginning. What did I say yes to? When we said yes to God and yes to receiving him as our personal savior, it is receiving all of his goodness. Oh my gosh, God is so good. He is so kind. He is so loving. He is generous. He is forgiving. He is graceful. He is merciful. He is our strength. He is our provider. He is our healer. He is our counselor. Honey, we can go all day long talking about who God is and the goodness of God and all of these things. He is a God that has promises. He keeps his promises promises. The Bible says that he is a man that he he is not a man that he shall lie. Nor is he he will not lie to us. So when God promises something, it is going to happen. It is yay and amen, bottom line. Bottom line, it's going to happen. But the other side is we have to take up our cross and follow him. What does that mean? See, that's the other side. Because a lot of times when we think about Christ and I, I feel like it's kind of been this change and um, in kind of like a main message. So if anyone that has been walking with Christ or in the church world for a long time, there's certain messages that reign high for a long time. Right. So we know at one point it was. The prosperity movement, people call it the prosperity gospel. I don't like calling it the gospel because the gospel is not one note. The gospel is, it is the totality of God. So it is the life, the death, the resurrection, and the second coming of Christ and everything in between. So gospel is all of God, right? So prosperity is just one note of him. Then for those of us who are really, uh, for me, like I was raised in the church, I used to hear the, um, what they call fire and brimstone message, basically get your life right or you're going to hell. Like, let's just sum it up. 
get saved or going to hell, right? So it was like that was like the harsh. It was very hard and stern and truth. And some people use fear to bring people into God. And then now you have this prosperity. And now we have the movement of, which I appreciate. I am not bashing him because I do love um, his messages. Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is extremely positive. Talking about the grace and the mercy and the abundance of God. And that all you can do all of things. So it's very, very positive. And all of these things are true. Right? It's all true, but it's just not all of God. So if I am now, what I feel it is happening is what I keep seeing is, of course, the abundance of God and all the great things of God or whatever. But we're missing the parts of us doing our part. There are things that God has already done for us, but then there's some things that God wants us to do. And I've been hearing some pastors say this, we have to partner with God. What does that look like? When I said yes to Christ, that means I have decided that yes, you are my God and the Lord of my life, but also I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to ask you to be with me and walk with me. I'm going to take up my cross and follow you. So let's go to Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Matthew, and this is the um, English standard version. Then Jesus told his disciples, if any would come after me, let him deny himself and take, I'm sorry, wait a minute, hold up. Jesus just told his disciples, if anyone comes after, if anyone decides to come up after me and follow me, they're going to have to deny themselves. So that means reject what you want. But you have to take up his cross, God's cross, right? Christ's cross and follow me. So that means you have to deny what you want. Take up what the call is that God has for your life and then follow Christ. Verse 25 says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man? He gains the whole world and, and forfeits his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Ooh, jeez, Louise. Yikes, yikes, yikes. That last one hit me. For what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what God is saying is, when you say yes to me, Christ is saying already, I'm letting you know, you got to give up your life. You got to give up what you want and pick up the call that I have for you and follow me. There is an instant exchange. Now, we do get a lot. Now, let's be clear. We get a lot, but we have to realize we are going to lose. Let's start off with simple stuff, simple things. Maybe when you came into Christ, you love to go clubbing and partying all the time, drinking all the time and all these other type of things. And now you've given yourself up to Christ. And I'm not saying that you immediately change, right? Because a lot of us don't. Let's just be real about it. So now you're walking with Christ and you're like, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore. But you feel weird because all of your friends still do this. 
but you're feeling this tug by the Holy Spirit of saying, it's time for you to stop. But you're like, God, this is how I know. This is how I kick it. And God is like, I got more for you. But all of my friends, this is how I do it. Now, this is the thing. I'm not trying to make you feel some type of way. I'm just trying to make a simple example. When we come into Christ, there is an exchange. I'm giving my life to him, my soul to him, so that I can have eternal life, but then also that I can have life and have life more abundantly here on earth. I can have the joy of the Lord. I can have the peace of the Lord. I can have his favor because the Bible talks not only of the favor of God, but the favor among men. So I can have favor among people and most of all the favor of God and have his wisdom, have his knowledge, have his understanding, have a peace that surpasses all understanding. But I have to give my life over. I have to have this complete mindset of surrendering. I have to. And it goes beyond just the first yes. Yes, Lord, come into my life. Yes, Lord, I want you to be my savior. It's the consistent, resounding yes in our lives. I'm in a new phase and season in my life. Um, I said on the podcast last week, I mentioned it briefly about uh, Michael Todd's series about cuffing season. And it's interesting. Some people may know what cuffing is. Some people may not. So cuffing is a terminology. It's pretty much a slang word that people use during a winter, fall, I think it's more winter time. You know, hey, I'm married, so I don't truly know. But I just hear from what other folks say. <laughs> so so during the winter time, people find somebody they can get into brief relationships or situations so, to really help them with their loneliness. And what is interesting is Michael Todd used this terminology and he used and he went to Urban Dictionary to pull up the definition. And in it, he said, you lower your standards to meet a temporary um, moment of loneliness. And I was just sitting there listening to this and I said, wow. When people say this, I don't think they truly mean, I don't think they really understand what they're doing, the detriment of it, right? So in this series, he's talking about cuffing, what we have tied ourselves to for a season. And when we tie ourselves to a season, now each week he has various things. One was gluttony. One was comfort. Um, I think another one was, it's like six, seven series. And all of these series, as I'm watching it and I'm listening to it and he's going through scripture, scripture, I'm like, Lord, I have to give some things over to you. This is why I say I never arrive. I am always his student. I am always his, ch his child that needs more of his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. I am forever and my desire is to always be at the feet of Christ so I can learn of him and I can submit my ways to him. Because as I was listening to this series and I'm going through scripture from a different perspective, here's the thing from gluttony and comfort alone, that was whooping my tail. Jen, take up your cross. What are you going to lay down for God? What are you going to exchange? What profits a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? 
So I have the reward of others and the compliments of others and I have the accolades of everything else, but what's my soul looking like? What is the health check? Can I do a real health check on my soul? If I'm not surrendering, if I'm not surrendering, if you are not surrendering, if we are not surrendering and taking up our cross to follow him daily, 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 daily. Peter said, I die daily. If we don't have that mindset that God, I am willing to lose my life to gain all of you. If you don't have that mindset, my question is, what is worth your soul? What is holding you back? What are you cuffed to? Because when we said yes to Christ, yes, it was to all of the goodness, all of his mercies. But I also said yes to giving up some things. I also said yes to dying to myself. I also said yes to becoming more disciplined in Christ. I also said yes to bridling my tongue. And, you know, here's the thing for some of us who have, who are very witty, who know how to throw shade left and right, who know how to have a comeback for everything out of the sun. You also said yes to being quiet sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. For those who want to be the solution, who God has given you the ability to come up with solutions and to help people, you also said yes for you not being the solution, for Christ being the solution for somebody. What have you said yes to? So you have to really examine what is the cross that God has required for you to pick up. Let me make this clear. It's interesting because I was, as I was studying this, I came across this, this passage, and I want to read this um, real quickly. And I, I appreciate what this author said. He said this. Um, let me find the name of the person on here, but I can't find it. But either way, they said, let's begin with what Jesus didn't mean. Many people interpret the cross as some burden that they must carry in their lives, a strained relationship, a thankless job, a physical illness with self-pity pride. They say, that's my cross I have to carry. Such an interpretation is not what Jesus meant when he said, take up your cross and follow me. And my husband will call this false humility. Oh, you know, I'm just doing what the Lord said. You know, this is what I got to do. This is what, no, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. And I want to make this clear. The cross during that time was what it was. It was death. They, that was the way that they killed people. Jesus was not being crucified in any type of way. You got to remember when Jesus was crucified, he had two thieves on the side of him, one on the left and one on the right. That's how they killed people who they thought were criminals. So it wasn't like they were treating Jesus differently. They treated Jesus like what they thought he was, was a criminal. The cross is a representation of death. We must take up our cross and follow him. So that means I have to take up what God has called for me to do and die to certain things. Some of us, we're holding on to some. How about this? There was a point in my life where I thought of protection 
as a certain way. In order for, for me to protect myself, I needed to to remain to myself, only be around certain people. I cannot tell, uh, be vulnerable with a lot of folks. That was how I viewed protection. Jesus has made it clear to me a few months ago, that season is now over with. It is now time for you to be vulnerable. It is now time for you to make connections. It is now time for you to do something. You're like, well, wait a minute, God, that was my form of protection. Either I'm going, I have to die to that mentality. Some of the things that we have to die to is from things that we've held on to. They were only supposed to be seasonal and we've turned into a lifetime. We have to take up our cross and follow him. Now, mind you, I brought up that example of what that pastor said about the white and the black church. Not to bring up the differences between white and black believers, but to look at the different perspectives. Both, and I loved how he used the reference of the children of Israel. Children of Israel had, they were God's chosen people. They were promised this beautiful land that was going to be flowing with milk and honey. And one of my former pastors said it wasn't that they were going to walk into the land and literally the water was going to be uh, milk and honey. The, he was like, no, there was going to be a whole bunch of cows and bees. And the Lord was like, get to work. Milk those cows and get those honey. Get that honey from those bees. And I remember when he said it, it was so practical and wise. I remember being so tickled. But then I thought to myself, how amazing is that? Right. Because if I look at the bee and it's honey, I can create so many things from it. There's so many things that come from beeswax. There's so many things that come from cows, not just milk, cheese, yogurt, the meat itself, the hide, all of these things. So it is not that we want God to do everything. We just need to see the promise and ask for his wisdom. So you have both sides of it. So we have the promised land and we have the struggle that we have to overcome. But even in the promised land, there are things uh, internally that we all battle, that we have to give over to God, that we have to make sure that we are yielding completely and say, God, I died to this so that I may take up your cross and follow you. I hope that you have received something. I pray always, always, always that God guides my words and that Anyone that is listening is gaining something. And I pray that we are all growing together as brothers and sisters in Christ. I want us to make sure that we are looking at the full perspective of God. I don't want us to always look at God as a God to where I always have to overcome struggle or the mindset of, well, I don't have to deal with struggle. There's going to be a fullness there is a totality to him. So I pray that we are all on that journey to find and look for the total view of God and not just one perspective of God. I love you all so much. And I'm going to end with prayer and then we're going to get out. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We praise you for this time together. God, we thank you for meeting us where we are. All of us, meet us where we are. Open our minds and our hearts and our ear towards you, God. Let us get closer to you. Let us desire your word. Let us want to stay and study your word. And let us be intrigued 
by you. Let us be curious of you, God, so that we may ask more questions of you. We we may study more of you and we, we may spend more time with you, God. And if anyone right now who is not saved and they are curious about you, God, and they say, you know what? I'm going to take this leap of faith and I'm going to become his child. Lord, I ask that you prick their hearts right now. And those of you who are ready, I want you to repeat after me. Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you rose for me. You are my savior. I confess my sins over to you. And I know that you have forgiven me because you are a forgiving God. God, I thank you for your forgiveness. And and I want you to say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins. If you have prayed that, and if you have believed that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you are now saved. We are rejoicing, heaven is rejoicing, and you are not in this alone. None of us as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are not alone. Find your path, love your uniqueness, and walk with God. Love you all and speak to you next Friday.